Hello, friends. This is the Messenger Podcast, where our goal is to develop messengers whose lives tell the story of the gospel. The gospel, the good news of life, is supposed to reach into every part of our everyday. So we want to use this time to explore what that means for you and your world. And also, I want to remind you, if you haven't already, to subscribe and rate the show. This really helps us get the message out. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that. Today, we are continuing our Money Matters series, where we're discussing how our relationship to our money is a matter of faith. If you haven't listened to our last episode where we set up this series, make sure to take a second to go back and check that one out. All right. Today, I am joined by Lisa Whittle, who, among many other things, is a fellow PK. Lisa, (laughs) welcome to the show. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I don't know. Should I say, I'm sorry? I understand. What should I say to that? Yes. Listen, listen, you know what I found? I found that PKs are some of the best people in the world and some of the worst people in the world. I don't (laughs) think you find too many in the middle. You're you're exactly right. That's so true. Yep. Uh, And and for those people out there who don't know what a PK is, it's a preacher's kid or a pastor pastor's kid uh, basically the people who cut their teeth on the pews in church yep that's that's, right. that's what that's that's who we are anyway so in addition to being a pk lisa is also the author of seven books seven books lisa oh my yeah. goodness that's a, that's a lot of books including <laughs> your new book which i'm really excited about we're going to talk about today jesus over everything and you're also the founder of Ministry Strong and the Jesus Over Everything podcast, which I got to be on recently and had a lot of fun connecting with you on there. And you're also, man, this is this. There's quite a few things here. You're the co-founder of Called Creatives, a coaching community for writers and speakers. And you and your husband, y'all live in North Carolina with three mostly grown children who still come home for dinner. So <laughs> just just for the record, like I can relate to that. I didn't do that. I got married young. And actually moved out of my parents' home. But my three younger brothers, I swear, like they tried to live at home for the longest time. <laughs> I think it was pretty much for the daily dinners. I think that's what they were going for. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you know, hey, listen, I'm not complaining. Uh, it is an interesting time in our family. We have lots of changes happening. I've got one graduating from college, one who's a freshman in college, and one who's still in high school. So she's not like, she's not grown, but like, I don't know. I mean, we are <laughs> definitely in the consultant role of parenting at sure. this point, right? So it's, sure. it's, it's a different season, yeah. So she has a legitimate place at the dinner table. She does. I and mean, that's, she does. And listen, I've told the boys that. <laughs> I'm like, listen, because the two oldest are boys and she's a girl. I said, the only one that I feel completely obligated to still <laughs> is the is the girl. Because she's like, I should still be fixing her dinner. You guys are just like, you should be thanking me every single day because I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'm sure your older boys, I'm sure they love and appreciate that. Oh, and, I love them. Yeah. And this is it. This isn't a part of like your official bio. Okay. So this is just my insertion. But one of the things that I love about you, Lisa, is that you're someone who's full of practical wisdom. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm excited for our audience to get to connect with you and hear what you have to share today because we are in the middle of a series that requires a lot of practical wisdom. And it's easy to talk about things in abstractions, and it's another thing to talk about real life, everyday life. And that's what you tackle in your new book, Jesus Over Everything. And I love that concept. I love the idea of Jesus over everything. Can you give us an introduction into what this idea means to you? Yeah, and you know, here's the thing. I am pretty bottom line. I'm pretty simple. And I I, I know for me... There's so much coming at me and there's so much that I feel sort of like bogged down by and confused by every single day. Even me, 
in, in, in my own feel like I have clarity and I walk with the Lord, but boy, there's just a lot that comes at me and there's a lot that comes at us. And so for me, I love that you say practical wisdom because I, I feel like like the Lord is crazy practical. For me, Jesus over everything, one is goals. I mean, it's goals. I, I It is what I want the banner of my life to be. Um, and it's something that, you know, this side of heaven, I, I just will continue to pray that the Lord will have become manifest in my life. Uh, it, it means for me an uncomplicated life. It means, uh, you know, the right priority order. It means simplifying things. It means that I stop running my life into a ditch, doing it my way. And yeah, it means to me choice every single day to put Jesus over everything because this world is crazy. And <laughs> I mean, you know, hello, that's not a news flash. Yeah. And uh, so I think for people, Jesus over everything feels like something they want, like something we want, but it feels hard. And so I, I did want to put this in, if I'm going to put this in book form, which that, that's kind of a tall order, actually, how do you say Jesus over everything in a book? Like, what does that look like? I thought I really want to break it down in a way that helps us know what that lifestyle actually looks like in a on a daily basis. And so that is what I attempted to do. Yeah, I love that. And it's one of those things too, I think people can be flipping about like, oh yeah, I make Jesus over everything. Yeah. But then you look at you look at our lives like, are we actually doing that? Mm. Are we living like that? And in the book, you talk about Jesus over finances, like Jesus over spending, and you get real about a season where in some ways spending displaced Jesus or Jesus's lordship in your life. Could you talk about that a bit? Yeah, you know, chapter one, I talk about uh, that I went on a, a one-year shopping fast, is what you're talking about there. And, and and you know, I, I'd like to what, say... What, is, what does that mean? Like a one-year yeah. shopping? Like, did you not go grocery shopping? Yeah. Like, did you delegate that to your kids? Like, That's how, a really how good did that question. Look? Yeah. No, there would be a revolt <laughs> in my house for that. No, it, what it was, was uh, it was actually, it was sh- shopping... Um, in two areas for my house, because I love to decorate. So that's kind of like, I always, I wanted to be an interior decorator when I was coming out of high school and thought I might go to design school. And so for me, I love to shop for my house. I love showing my creativity through like really designing, decorating my house. So that was one area of classic overspending for me. And then also clothes, because I love like showing my art and my creativity through what I wear. To me, it's, it's literally like my showing my individuality. The worst thing you can do is like put me in a uniform because I, I just hate that kind of stuff. Cause I'm like, no, I don't want to be like anyone else. I like to put things together and outfits and things that I love. And so, um, for me, those were the two areas of classic overindulgence. So yeah, I still bought shampoo. I still bought toothpaste. Those weren't problems for me. The problem for me came in like with, oh, let me buy another lamp or, oh, let me buy another shirt that I don't need. And, you know, as you read in the book in chapter one, I would love to say that I was just so spiritual, like the Lord just really put on my heart, like, Lisa, this is coming between us. You need to do a shopping fast. The reality was, Addison, I was embarrassed into it in this moment um, in the story they can read in the book. Which is, you know, a girlfriend coming over my clo- in my and being in my closet and saying, you got a lot of clothes. And then literally combined with something the Lord had already put on my heart was, which was, you are swiping your debit card every mm-hmm. time I'm starting to mess with you and you don't want me to deal with you. And so Addison, the whole thing was like, 
honestly, it was one of those moments where I thought, I'm not sure if spending in this area is coming between God and me, but there's only one way to find out. And the only way to really find out is to uh, go on a fast from it, because that's going to really tell the truest tale. Hmm. And wouldn't it be dumb if like the God who I want to connect with more than anything else, who I'd love desperately, but let's be honest, I also love me. But the one, the one that I really want to connect with, wouldn't it be dumb if, if some shopping was coming between us? Like, wouldn't that be so dumb? Mm. And I, I just honestly said, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to lay this down for a little while. And I did not even intend to go into it for a year. I really didn't. Cause you didn't. If I, okay. no, if I would have thought I'm going to go into this for a year, I would have hyperventilated. I would have thought <laughs> there is no way. Cause I had vacations on the books. You know, I, I like to buy hats sure. when I'm on vacation. I'm like a baseball hat girl. Like I like to, I like, I like to, you know, I like that. And so to me, that would have been so overwhelming. No, what I said was, I'm going to do this for like six weeks. And he, what happened after six weeks is the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you're not done. No, you're not done. And so this is what I tell people. A bad reason to start sometimes like being embarrassed into it is a, is a, is a reason enough. I, like the, the Lord is not snobby. He, he can take our very meager starts <laughs> and do something with it. Praise God. And like somewhere along the way, our hearts can change and he can turn yeah. things around for us. And so let's not get too weird about it. Let's just say, God, here's where I am today. And like he really did something in me for that year. He he does it so well, doesn't he? Like we can start off in something for selfish reasons. Yeah. And then he comes in and through that process, he transforms it into a selfless cause, into a selfless expression of giving ourselves to him. Like that's it's so beautiful how God did that. So let me ask you, so you were six weeks into it and you're, and God's like, hey, keep going. What did it look like when you were six months into it? Like, what were, what were you feeling? What was your faith journey like when you were six months into this process? That's a great question. Um, it was it was quite different than six weeks into it. I'll tell you that. And um, you know, it's interesting because I felt like the Lord wants wants me to do another shopping fast because like, that's been some years back. It was maybe I don't know, like six seven years ago that I did that. And I, I've I've since the Lord saying I want you to do this again, and I'm going to lead people through it. Um, and one of the things I feel real committed to is explaining to people kind of what happens through the process, because there is a process. So, you know, you do kind of in the beginning have this withdrawal from whatever it is that sort of you've gotten into, right? Because here's the thing, like Satan doesn't want us to slow down and, and do like change any behaviors. He just wants to keep us going. That's why he keeps us busy. That's why he keeps us distracted because when we stop often and, and, and just kind of pause, Right. Like we can begin to change things and we can begin to see things. We just don't slow down often enough to do it. So six weeks into it, I was still sort of detoxing and I was like, you know, but I was better than I was week one, you know, but I was, I mean, and, and think about if you do a sugar fast or anything else like that first, that first week is rough, man, you know, and oh man, six, it's six, rough. yeah. And six weeks is even a little bit rough, but six months into it, if I can think back to that, I was at a place where a lot of the chains had fallen off by that point, Addison. Yeah. Like I it was like was, a new normal. Yeah. I was, I was in a new place. I was adjusting to like not walking into stores. Um, because for me, a lot of my problem came from like 
seeing things like literally the lust of the eyes like i would see things and then i would want them and if i did not see them i did not want them in the same way so my behavior needed to change in the sense with spending in the sense of not so you weren't window shopping you weren't going around window shopping be like i just want to look right i can't i can't buy but i want to look because i appreciate the beauty right of it all which is why (laughs) which to be honest with you why now the the you know i think ads on instagram can be really you know a trigger for a lot of us because those things pop up before we know it right and so then we see those things and we're like oh man if i'm gonna be on instagram how do i get these stupid ads off my phone because you see it and then all of a sudden you want to you know you want a tray for your kitchen that you've never even thought about needing a tray like i I don't need a tray but like all of a sudden you see this decorative tray you're like man i want i've got to have a tray for my kitchen you know what i mean so it's like (laughs) it's like these are the things that are that are problems but six months into it a lot of the chains had fallen off and i had Mm. begun to establish these habits and patterns that it just really become powerful for my life i love that so in the book, you talk about this idea of deadly overs. Yeah. What are the deadly overs in our lives? Will you explain that concept? Yeah, these are, well, what they are as a as kind of a whole is a, a simple maybe definition is that they're go-to behaviors and habits that are before we know it habits and behaviors that have made our lives complicated. They are, you know, they're kind of been our attempt to actually control our lives and maybe control the narrative or actually even make a relationship work better or whatever we have thought, oh, this will make things better for me. But what they've actually done is complicate our, our lives. And so um, and they're behaviors that are over behaviors. So they are these things, overindulging, which I think speaks into what we've been talking about with spending, overindulging, over apologizing, over analyzing, overworking and over explaining. Now, hmm. you, the word over is super important with these because working obviously is good. Like we, sure. we got to work, man. We got to have a paycheck. But overworking is a different thing. Over apologizing because do I think we need to apologize? Absolutely. I just think our apologies need to be on time and right and not over apologize. And there's a really big difference. And the word that makes them different is over. Mm. And so mm. the, the deadly overs are things that we have sort of created for ourselves that are actually putting us over Jesus in our lives by saying, hey, this is the way I think this relationship is going to work better. If I over explain this, why I can't attend this certain thing, if I ever explain this, like maybe you know, 10 more times, let me just kind of give you the reasons why I can't come to your event. Instead of just saying, no, I'm so sorry. Thanks for inviting me. You know, I'll be able to manage this better. People will like me better. Uh, I will be better understood. And in that moment, we actually complicate things for ourselves. We do. Yeah, man. Like I'm thinking of so many instances in my own life right now where I have, I have fallen prey to this idea of the over. So why do you think it is? Like, why do you think people are prone to this idea of overtaking something that's good, like apologizing and over apologizing. What do you think's behind that? Well, I think we wouldn't sit there and say, Oh, I'm putting myself over Jesus. Like that's, we wouldn't do that. But what it is, is it is our innate need to control our own life. It's our innate need to control our narrative. I mean, guilty, (laughs) right? Guilty. I know. Listen, the reason Addison, why I could so easily write about the deadly overs is because I have struggled with each and every one. And in some ways struggle still depending on how much I let Jesus control my life. Right. Because I can get into overworking. I can, you know, as to to think about that, my worth comes from that. 
you know, I here's a perfect example. I used to do a daily podcast. So my podcast was, I mean, it's crazy town when I think about it now, but we did in that first year and a half over 250 shows. And, you know, we did this daily podcast and it became a part of people's sort of morning quiet time. And, 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 you know, I loved doing that and I loved providing those shows and there was, it was great, but I got to the point where everyone was exhausted. My team was exhausted. I was exhausted. And I remember that I announced that I was going to go to two day a week, uh, shows from five day a week. And I got this email and it was the email that I had been dreading. And it was from this woman. And she said, you know, I just have always loved your show and it just was such a part of my routine. And now I'm going to have to take you off my rotation because you're only doing two days a week. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Lord, this is what I have been dreading. See, I told you when I went down to two shows, this was going to happen. And this is what the Lord spoke to me, Addison. He said, do you want to be known as the woman who can produce? Hmm. Or do you want to be known as the woman who follows after Jesus no matter what? Because wow. I'm telling you that this is what we need to do for you to not overwork yourself into unwellness. Mm. And so that is where it comes down to. These are over behaviors that we can choose to do, but I can tell you in the end, they're going to, they're going to complicate our lives. I think it is. I think that's, it's that tendency, that belief that we have, like that we can be God apart from God. Yeah. Right. Like that idea, God, his name, his very name means the one who is self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. We would love to believe that we are self-sufficient because that would make life in some senses so much easier because right. we would be the masters, right? Masters of our fate. And and do you think that's really what people are going for with this idea of over, like they're grasping for a sense of control that really should be a place of trust? Absolutely. And, you know, trust is a hard fought thing for a lot of us. A lot of us have trust issues. I mean, we've had our, you know, we have put our, our, our trust in someone else's hands and maybe that trust has been broken, whatever the case may be. I mean, and also we can just give excuses and we can just give ourselves a past. Let me put myself in this group. I mean, I'm there myself, like trusting Jesus is hard sometimes, even though he is worthy of our trust. He has proven trustworthy, but I am human, Addison, and I struggle in this area over and over again. I know better. I know better. But I still struggle to trust. And yes, I think I will die in my flesh, trying to die to my flesh over being trying to be the master of my own self and my own universe, even though I know that it will never work. And so this is why I say this is goals for me. And this is why I pray. And I do believe that the things that I talk about in the book are the way that Jesus becomes over me in my life. Yeah, I love that. You talk about living real over pretty in the book, and you share a powerful story about a man who shared his cancer journey on Facebook. What did you take away from being an observer of his story? Oh, man, I took away not only just so many things. This is what I mainly took away. We not only crave real from people, we need it. Like we need it down to our bones. I remember when I stumbled upon him on Facebook, it was one of those things where like you end up on someone's page. That's like someone's mother's cousins, you know, twins, you know, neighbor or whatever. It was a random, you were in the vortex. Yeah, I was in the, I was in the (laughs) vortex. I was like, how am I on this man's page? I don't even know this man, but the reality of it is I, I know that God took me there and I ended up there and I remember it was a day that I needed real so bad, 
Mm. Like I needed it so badly. And I went to his page and I just wept because I thought this man has cancer and he is not trying to sugarcoat it. And he is not making, he's not making it better than it is. And he's not making it, you know, his plight be any worse than someone else's situation. Cause there's lots of people that have cancer and people that have lost family members. And like, we all have stuff, man. And it was so beautiful because I was so drawn to his reel. It was sometimes he was funny and sometimes he was doubting and it, it was the real life. And I just thought I need this to my bones. And real is a gift that we give to each other in the body of Christ. And it is, it is, it is one of those things that sort of like defies the enemy from getting us to believe the hype that someone else's life is more perfect than ours. Mm, And we like, we just need that. We, we so need that on a daily basis because we all struggle with stuff. We all deal with stuff. And when someone is real, uh, it just jolts us back to the reality that, um, that this life is not our home. And John 16, 33 in this world, there will be trouble. It's not an if statement. It's a win statement. And we all deal. And I just appreciated it so much, uh, so much that I put it in the book. I think a lot of people in general have a hard time with this idea of being real with God. Yeah. I, haven't you noticed that? Like When I talk to friends, it seems like they're not real with God. Like They, they think if they're real with God, they're going to get in trouble with God. Mm. And, I, and I would say I even believe that for a long time. And then I discovered the Psalms. And I was like, and I really discovered the Psalms. Like, man, here are people who are full on complaining to God about God. And then it hit me like, God doesn't mind if we complain about him to him. Mm. He just doesn't like it when we complain about him to other people. Like he wants us to come to him and be like, God, what in the world is going on? Hmm. why am I navigating this brokenness? Why am I navigating this fear, this shame? Like He's not afraid of our real. And we crave that. And it's so sad to me that we've created this artificial environment where people don't feel safe navigating the real. You know, that's so interesting you bring that up because I do think that we cannot be real with other people if we are not convinced we can be real with God. I think that's a really astute observation and it's it's something that's not that talked about but you're exactly right i think that is a struggle for us i've been studying the seven penitential psalms that um that david wrote after he was confronted with his, over a sin by the prophet nathan and one of the you know the thread there is of course the, the sort of the illness in his body over the lack of confession and then the juxtaposition in the same chapters over the utter joy of the confession right so it's yes. like if you know you want to talk about being real i mean like this this is the the realness that david brought before god but but the sickness and the illness of when he wasn't real like you know there's a real thread there so i think the thing that i would say to 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 anybody listening that that would would feel like i can't be real before god i would say well one it'll eat you from the inside if if you're not right and two it's just one of those things that you're not going to be able to to give to yourself or anyone else if you aren't real first before god it is the most freeing thing of life when you realize that he doesn't want to us to come to him cleaned up he actually wants us to come to him in the current state which for me is consistently fairly messy yeah 
Isn't it amazing how he knows the depths of who we are? I mean, the darkest places of who we are. And yet he loves us and he calls us into those places through surrender. Mm. And yet we're like, God, I don't know. Like, I don't know if you can handle my real. And he's like, no, actually, I want to go to those places with you because I want I want you to know that there's nothing that terrifies me. Like, there's nothing that, that you can surrender to me that I'm going to look at and be like, nah, sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sorry, <Yeah>. rejection. <laughs> exactly. You know, and it's, it, it's liberating. Even, you know, even if you, if you, I know this sounds simple, but I'm simple. So for me, I just think about things like if the creator of the universe does not reject me, then what, who else matters? Like, yeah. honestly, who else mattered? Like, I, I, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I know I'm simple, but like, I have, I, I really, honestly, this, that's the ultimate. And if he does not reject me, then they're like, there's nobody else comes even close. And, and would really, you, I believe that. Yeah. Would you say that's the key thought, like the, the paradigm shift that keeps us from feeling like we have to keep up with the Joneses or put on a front or create a facade that we portray through social media? I do think it is. I think it's hard. I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to keep it real. I think that's hard on a daily basis because we, we live in a real world and we are yeah. surrounded by people. So I think, you know, we go to Instagram and I, I don't know that our foreboding thought is like, if the God of the universe accepts, <laughs> accepts me, then, you know, it doesn't matter if I get 20 likes or a 300. Like, I, right. I, I mean, I'm just being honest here, <laughs> Yeah. but I think that we have, we have to find a way to get that thought though into our right, heads first I think, thing in the morning somehow. Yeah. I think that just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not something we need to to pray ourselves to do. Because I, I sure. mean, I still believe that it's it's it is the right mindset, and I believe at a certain point, like at a certain point, like we have to decide what do we want. Do we want to be well, or do we want to stay in this crazy mental quagmire of like you know, insanity where we are driving ourselves crazy. So like, you know, I just say like, is it working for us not to um, have this mindset? And so for me, like it, it really is a sort of two step process of choose and practice, choose and practice. You want to get practical. Mm. Here we go. Choose and practice. The Bible is all about choice. Like that's, that's the whole Bible. It's like, this is a choice, man. You don't, it's not, we're not victim to our thoughts. We're not victim to social media. We're not victim to the world that we live in. We have, according to Ephesians 1, the power of available to us in us if we are believers in Jesus. That is not yeah. wimpy power. That is amazing supernatural power. So tapping into it through choice, which is ours to make every day through what we observe and take in. So we choose to be real and then we practice it because if we, it's like anything else, Addison. It's like, you have to practice things in order to actually live them out. So being real is a practice. Like I have to, in order to stay real, I practice it. Like there are times I want to hide. There are times I want to gloss things up. There are, that is a pull of all of us because sure. we don't feel, we don't feel good enough. We don't feel pretty enough. We don't. And when I say pretty, I don't mean physically pretty, although clearly there's filters for that. But I mean, I'm talking about the acceptance pretty. Like there are times sure. that I don't feel that, but I fight that because I know that being real is what will actually change me and, 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 and make me the person that I want to be. And I can hide behind those masks and facades but it's never done a thing for me my whole entire life to do that. And so practicing it by walking it out and prayer and staring down the fear 
that Satan uses to keep us bound to that sort of approval and appearance sort of step by step, you know, hand in hand deal um, is powerful. And I, I push myself to be real. I push myself to tap into that, that very, I think, spiritual, spiritual uh, practice because it is what has kept me honest and it has what has kept, I think, people being drawn to that spirit side of me, which then allows you to have influence in this world. Yeah. I want to challenge our, our listeners because you, you've been sharing this idea of practice. Go check out First John and just look at the number of times the Apostle John uses the word practice in First John. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me. I think we have this idea of this life in Christ. It's like, no, it's supposed to be easy. It should all come as like, as like a default package with this gift of salvation. But there are things that we really have to lean into. And what I love about this book, what I love about this message, Lisa, is you're not just telling people what to do or what to feel. You're going down to a perceptual level. And you're saying, hey, I want to challenge the way you view the world. And not only am I going to challenge the way you view the world with this idea of Jesus over everything, I'm going to give you practical tools that are going to help you walk this out and live this out in your world. And so, Lisa, thank you. Thank you for leaning into this message. Thank you for sharing it in a way that's going to be perceptual in a sense. Like it's going to change people on the perceptual level, but it's also giving them tools that they can implement in their everyday lives. I love that about it. Mm, Thank you so much. Gosh, what a joy to get to talk about one, the greatest to ever live, Jesus Christ on this show, but also just something to help the body of Christ. I mean, that's what we're here for, right? While we're still here on earth. Yep. Awesome. Well, hey, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I want our listeners to know that where can they connect with you online? Where can they find the book? Yeah. Well, everything sort of just like everything that's housed in one place is lisawhittle.com. And by the way, Addison, uh, all the stuff about the book is at lisawhittle.com, but also okay. lisawhittle.com forward slash Joe, and which stands for Jesus over everything, obviously. And it's got, it includes on there a quiz that people can find out what deadly over is overtaking them. It's like a two minute free quiz and they can find that out. And then we've created a guide that actually helps kind of helps them process that and then create a new behavior for whatever that is. Cause I'm a big believer in if we're going to say, Hey, this isn't working, let's replace it with what can work. And so we've That's done good. that with scripture and some practical things there. So I hope that'll be a big help for your audience. Thank you, Lisa. I know it will be. And it's easy to criticize. It's easy to say, Hey, this is broken. I love that you've come on and you said, Hey, here are solutions. Here are tools that, that you guys can use. And um, man, I, the whole overs idea, Lisa, that's, I'm going to be thinking about that for a while. That mm. is so profound and it's Thank good. Thank you and so I, much. Yeah. And I really hope everyone who's heard this, I hope you go out and you get the book, check it out wherever books are sold. And Lisa, again, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the Messenger Podcast. It means a ton. Thanks, Addison. And to everyone who tuned in today, thank you so much for joining us. And we want you to remember that you are a messenger to the people in your world. Your life is a message. So lean into God's grace and watch your world change. Until next time. Thanks for listening to The Messenger Podcast. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review and be sure to subscribe and share these episodes through iTunes. You can connect with us through Facebook, Instagram, and through our website at messengerinternational.org. Until next time.